it's really, really stressful scaling and learning your craft whilst you're actually kind of like actually doing the job. So I know this from personal pain and I had created some of the worst learning materials on planet Earth for my teams. Partly because I didn't know what I was doing, but also I'm not a natural educator. I didn't even know what the word pedagogy meant like until a year and a half ago. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Paul Fifield. Paul is the CEO and co-founder of the Sales Impact Academy. In our conversation, we talk about Paul's new venture and how they are seeking to change how sellers acquire and apply new knowledge to their selling. Think about it more in terms of sales education versus rote sales training. We dig into the major deficiencies Paul saw in how sellers are being educated. Now this created problems for companies and sellers alike. Then we dive into what Sales Impact Academy is doing to bridge the divide between what sellers really need and what they're typically getting from the training. Paul shares three tips to make remote education highly effective for sales teams, including why you should never teach more than two hours a week and why you should never go more than 10 minutes without some interactive element for students in your educational materials. So it's a fascinating discussion about how to effectively help sellers improve, and we get into all this and much, much more. But before we get to Paul, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We really appreciate that. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. So you're joining us from where today? Uh, from London. But as I've mentioned, I actually work East Coast hours. So uh, for me, it's yeah, it's nine 9.30 for my fellow countrymen and women. It's uh, <laughs> 2.30. <30. laughs> 2.30, right. All right. Well, that, that works, you know. It's sort of the, yeah, it's like uh, I was just hearing this morning on, I was listening to a podcast about the future of supersonic travel, air travel, coming back. This oh. company, Boom, in the States, that's developing the next generation of supersonic airlines. And they're you know, ah. talking again about uh, affordable three-hour flights between London and New York. Interesting. Well, it seems to be the only industry that's actually regressed in accomplishments. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're saying that actually, yeah, the average flight time, at least within the United States, and I guess this is based on congestion and other things, average flight time between you know, any two points, let's say transcontinental, is actually it takes more time now than it did 30 years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, this, as you, who I think comes back and forth quite a bit or would normally under normal times is, yeah, yeah. if you could do that trip in three hours as opposed to seven, that'd be nice. Um, sign me up. Sign me yeah, up. Sign as long as up. it's economic, you know, environmentally friendly, sign me up. <laughs> Well, they yeah, they've they've the new designs, the new fuels they're using, you know, sustainable fuels, and so on. And yeah, apparently um, it'll be better, and it won't even cost. That they're trying to get it so it's you know not an arm and a leg to get across. So uh, like price that. wise, so yeah, yeah. All right, well, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about uh, Sales Impact Academy and, and what you guys are doing. Sure. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. So we're, um, we're building, uh, a live learning platform, kind of like a live school, like a school online, if you like, 
mm-hmm. for you to, to really simplify it. Um, you know, as you as you know, Andy, there has been no structured learning, um, no structured education within the go-to-market space for pretty much any persona. Um, sales has been around as a persona probably the longest out of you know the modern in the is when you look, when you think about the sort of modern go-to-market t uh, personas from revenue operations to customer success to all of it. But there's been no structured formal learning. Um, the global education system, in its infinite wisdom, decided that this wasn't a profession. It's something that stupid people did when they couldn't get a degree, um, <laughs> and it's just created chaos. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to create a, you know, a very, um, you know, so- sophisticated, um, large in breadth academy to support the development and learning of, of reps of all kind and go to market. And which I, I think is, is fantastic um, because, yeah, it's definitely a, a need that, that needs to be filled and that exists. I mean, there's certainly, yeah, some growth in the academic front here, certainly in the States. I don't know about in the UK in terms of mm. uh, more degree programs, which to me are, are good, you know, in the sense yeah. that, that it's good to give people a sense of the profession that they're going into and it does mm-hmm. add some maybe some legitimacy to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, it's still a different range of things you need to learn once you actually get into the job. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, we, we have a, a learning advisor um, in, in, in the business. He was the, the, he was the um, vice chancellor of Cape town uh, university. Um, and, I, and I put it to him, I was like, you know, can, can traditional education actually solve this problem? And he said, absolutely no way. Because the the pace of change in 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 our in our profession in go to market is so fast that traditional education uh, institutions just simply can't keep up. Uh, you know what what you need is a very dynamic approach to the development of curriculum. Um, and he, and he's like, well, you know, the traditional university education system simply won't be able to, to do that. And so you have this kind of big big problem where tra- traditional education can't can't fix it. And so there's and and so who does? Um, and so what we're trying to come in and think right. Let's let's start this from scratch. How do we think about upskilling incredibly busy people, right? Who've got targets to hit, who are living in a state of basically stress, which is basically most people in in go to market, particularly SDRs, particularly sales reps. How do we? How do we create a pedagogy and a learning approach that's going to work in that environment um, and have impact? Um, and it's a very different approach to learning than, than, than I, I guess, tradi- traditional learning. Yeah, well, I think you've identified this, this sort of basic disconnect that exists is that in most organizations, uh, they underinvest in effectively upskilling their people. And they find it much easier to invest in sort of building, I think as you call it, epic tech stacks rather yeah. than you know, investing in the things that will really help people do their jobs better. Yeah, and that's cool and that's cool skills. But you know, I'm you know, I, I you know, I sort of put I put it to people, you know, would a highly skilled rep um with a spreadsheet, a phone and, and an email um do well? And it's like, yeah. You know, if they, if you had a, a product that, that's actually solving a problem, mm-hmm. yeah, they would. Would an unskilled rep with a world class and highly expensive tech stack do well? No, right? Because there is a 
it's a real skill. Like there's real competencies that you need to learn to be great, at, 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 you know, at any role um, in, in go to market. And I, I, I do have some sympathy with companies because companies are not natural educators. I mean, I, I know when I was, when I, when I, I'm, you know, I've had two stints as a CRO. So I'm, I'm kind mm-hmm. of building this, school building this academy knowing the pain on a very personal level my own pain because i didn't know Mm -hmm. what i was doing (laughs) i was Mm -hmm. learning on the job and bloody hell is it difficult to learn on the job and execute at the same time and and worse worse than that learn on the job when actually the the ways that you learn are so random it's like books and blog blog you know podcasts and random um blog posts and events like sasta it's just a smorgasbord of random unstructured knowledge which just mm-hmm. hits you in the face right right and it's difficult because you don't know what's good and what's bad and so you spend spend half your brain power thinking sort of triangulating where did this information come from who said this are they credible and it's just mad right so um it's really really stressful scaling and 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 and, and, and learning your craft whilst you're actually kind of like actually do, do, doing the job um so i know this from personal pain and i have created some of the worst learning materials on planet earth for my teams <laughs> partly because i didn't know what we i was have. doing <laughs> exactly partly i didn't know what i was doing but also i'm not a natural educator i didn't even right. know what the word pedagogy meant like until a year and a half ago <laughs> right. um and 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 i didn't even under- know about things like learning design instructional design how you think about you know, teaching and imparting knowledge in a way that's going to be successful. So companies don't have that as a natural skill. Yeah, every we're all forced to, particularly in go to market, we're forced to have to, to do that. And and the results are, are, are pretty poor. Yeah, well, I think you draw a distinction that, that I think is really important because I 100% believe in this, is that you draw the distinction between education and training. Yeah. And... <laughs> to me, this is not a, a semantic difference. This is this is a substantive difference. Mm-hmm. And so, tell us about that and your approach, because I think this is this is something that's really missing. You know, you talk about learning, but I think you know the actions you take are informed by the way you describe things. Yeah. And so, if you describe something as education, it's going to inform a different set of steps that you take to help people learn, as opposed to training. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, and and, I, and you didn't prompt me. Um, we hadn't actually talked talked about this before. No, no. But you might have um, you might have noticed looking maybe on our site that we don't have sales training ever like written any anywhere. None of none of us within the company talk about sales training. Partly because the connotations of sales training are so terrible, right? It's basically you know in our minds. It's probably some aging gray-haired bloke who's never hasn't done it done sales for fifteen years rocks up with a really shit laptop <laughs> and starts start, and, and 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 a thousand slides um, and, and often does that in a really really uh, you know poor sort of hotel somewhere with no windows or whatever. Um, but I guess when you're thinking about education, you're thinking about literally how do we design this learning experience. How do we ensure that we don't create, you know, we're, we're, we're teaching in a, in a, in a, in a like, like, for example, we don't teach for any more than one hour, 
Mm-hmm. And, and we're a, we're a, we're an online only, we're a digital first, digital only um, platform. Right. We've never we've never done in person, and never and never will we. I don't think. And so we're thinking, like you know, you your brain just switches off, <laughs> like um, actually pretty much like ten fifteen minutes into mm-hmm. a lecture a lecture delivered piece of content, your brain starts to switch off. So you know when you're thinking about learning design, you're like, okay, well. If that's the case, let's make sure that when we're thinking about the design of this, within the first, te- like after the first ten minutes of of, of, of delivering some information, let's have a, a pause. Let's have some kind of interactive moment. Let's have a little recap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you think in terms of learning outcomes. What are the three major learning outcomes of this hour of kind of content? How are we going to test for that? What's the feedback loop, loop going to be? How do we then literally create like a an end of an end of course exam and how, what does that look like and all these things when you're thinking as an educator um i think uh, i think gen- generally i'm missing when you're thinking about basic training essentially right well and so yeah absolutely and and yet we still have this huge investment which i'm sure is one of the reasons you've you know i'm sure in your investor slides that because you've raised money <laughs> from investors is yeah. is the fact that you know hey there's 15 billion dollars apparently spent every year in the united states for sales training and no one is satisfied with the outcomes yeah i mean i i you know had a friend who's in a sales training business who you know doesn't talk to me anymore because you know, i was in a meeting and i i said you know somebody had just a client of yours just finished your training, called me up the VP and said, well, we just did training with this company for three weeks, but we still don't know how to sell. It's crazy. But I think, you know, it would be, it would be be unfair of me and wrong of me to say that all, all training is bad. Um, all training, all training content is bad. I think it's how it's delivered. Exactly. That's the thing. Right. And it's, it's, it's the critical missing component. It might be the world's best, like content on what you're exactly. teaching but if you deliver it in this kind of intensive one day three day five day <laughs> like period there's this great um um you know mark, mark talks about this mark roberge talks about this and you know as, as you know he's, he's on my board right like you know when you're when you're learning like a like if you're learning golf right what you and he, I think he's a he's a big golf guy. I'm I'm, I'm not really a golf guy, but the, I get the principle. Of what you're saying is like, it, what you should do to make it effective is focus on one specific skill and master that. So maybe it's the way that you hold the club. So let's get really good at that. But what sales training typically is the experience is like, okay, stand here, hold the club like this, hold your shoulders like this, do that, do this, do that, and do this, and do that, and go. Right. That's essentially the sort of almost equivalent, and you you just you're not learning. <laughs> now all those all those things that you've just been told might be great, but if you're not being taught in the way that human beings learn, it's literally a complete waste of time. Well, and and it doesn't. The trouble with most, in my mind, and most training is that, yeah, if we're trying to upskill people, what we're basically doing is we're embarking on change, mm-hmm. and. You know, there's some very fundamental rules about change management. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. and one of them is that, and I think this emanated from originally from some people at MIT, which was you do one change, and it's sort of long lines, which said, and you do it until you master it, and you don't mm-hmm. add a second order of change until you've mastered mm-hmm. the first one. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's not only 
the delivery of it. But going back to my point about these are busy people who, unfortunately, and this is a, this is a, uh, in an unfortunate part of the industry, is that most sales reps and most SDRs have the sword of Damocles holding you know over them. If they miss their number two two months in a row, they're out fired. It's mm-hmm. brutal. It's brutal. That's their income gone. That's food on on the table gone. So if you take that individual out the picture for a week. <laughs> Like, do you think they're going to be in a, in a even just that alone is just stupid, right? Because <laughs> they're just going to be, you know, looking at their phone, checking their emails, wanting to stay on top of their pipelines, all of that kind of stuff. And people go out and get completely shit faced in the evening. So they're hung over as well. Let's just throw that into the mix. Well, these, yeah, they certainly weeks, used to. These, right. These week long training, training weeks are just, I mean, maybe good for team bonding, but terrible for learning right i think it's still though i mean i think this is an issue i'm wondering how you're thinking about this is because i'll go back to the original point is 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 i think that unfortunately that most senior leaders in an organization want to do the minimum for sales in order to sort of keep it going in terms of investment in upskilling investment in in helping improve performance in multiple dimensions. And I'll, I'll just give an example. You know, I, and I know it's outside your, your purview, but it's, it's, you know, I believe, especially in larger sales organizations, is they should have a mental health professional on staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just like sports psychologists exist in mm-hmm. professional sports teams. Yeah. And the fact that senior leaders can't see their way past the end of their nose to see that this would be a huge benefit, but you know, because they can't, you know, CFO, well, what's the return on this? Mm-hmm. You know? And they're not willing to even experiment to invest. And I think this is this is sort of endemic with sales. Is and I think a challenge for you is, okay, how do you get people to buy into the fact that, yeah, you're only doing an hour at a time, but cumulative, it's, cumulatively, it still requires an investment of time mm-hmm. and an investment of patience in people that they're going to improve. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you know, most sales leaders say, well, yeah, let's bring in the trainers. We'll do a week. <laughs> And now, yeah. voila, everybody's going to be better. We've made this investment. <clears throat> yeah. As opposed to saying, well, we're sort of going to, I'm going to say drip this out, but we're going to create this culture of continuous learning. Yeah. And yeah. the results are going to be a little bit harder to see initially, but cumulatively, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how we're thinking about that. And this has evolved just through our own experience and our own learning of, of, how, of, how, um, of how, we, how we best have uh, impact. And what we're finding is, and, and again, I sort of look at, you know, other educators in the space, even online, mm-hmm. and some of their courses are like 12 weeks. And it's like, it's over, that's a long time. That's three months almost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we, the courses that are almost the most popular that we do are four hours long over two weeks. So we only, we only ever teach two hours per week per course. Mm-hmm. And we also teach at, a, at one specific part of the of the of the um, of in in time, in the clock, which is eight o'clock on, in Pacific, eleven o'clock Eastern, four p.m. in the UK, and five p.m. in Europe. And what it means is you can have entire teams, and this is why we're doing so well in the enterprise so early in our you know our own life, mm-hmm. life cycle as a company. We're only two years in, but we're you know we're winning you know like HubSpot's our, our global customer. 
as we're I winning ex- because as I expect it would be, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, but other other large companies like you know, like Shopify and and, and others, mm-hmm. they can have their teams distributed all over those regions: Canada, North America, like all of South America, Africa. If you've got people down there, Europe, UK, in classes, learning at exactly the same time. Right. So that's really really powerful. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 courses that are really having impact and fast are the ones that are short bursts of learning around a very specific topic. So going back to how you're holding the golf club, right? So one example recently is with um, Ke- uh, Kevin Dorsey. Um, he has a four-hour cold calling masterclass course, right? And it's four hours of learning, uh, Monday and a Wednesday, Monday and a Wednesday, over two weeks. And by the end of that, you are significantly better at doing cold calling as, a, as an SDR or an AE. But it's, it's completely focused on one specific skill that you need as a subset of, of all the skills that you need. And we had one customer literally double meetings booked mm-hmm. uh, within, within weeks of the course finishing. But it was mm-hmm. a short burst of learning around a very focused topic. And, that, you know, and we have plenty of those short burst courses of four hours, and they really, really work. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of uh, sort of standard time so teams are learning together. I think that's... That's great. Um, and it's, yeah, if you get companies away from that, well, let me ask the question I was <laughs> leaning into here is, so what are you doing for managers? Because mm-hmm. I think the weak link in the chain mm-hmm. in terms of overall sales performance improvement are managers. And not yeah. because of personal failings on the part, but they have not been trained. They've not received the tools that they need to receive in order to become yeah. effective well, they've coaches. Often, they've often never done it before. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> well, yeah, they've never been managers before. Right. And that is very common. Right. And so yet we promote people into these roles and say, well, okay, now you're in charge of perform- improving the performance of these, you know, five to 10 yeah. individuals. And it's like, well, how do I do that? Other than, okay, I'm going to make sure they make all their calls. I mean, that's not really the tool. Yeah. Yeah. You really are teeing me up here, Andy. Um, Well, I'm I'm not trying to, because as as you said, we've never never spoken before. But yeah, like like minds, like minds, I think. That's it. That's it. Um, We have an entire school. So the way that we structure the academy is across six schools. So management and leadership. Uh, B2B marketing, sales, prospecting, customer success, and we're going to be next year building out a really big uh, RevOps school. Mm-hmm. So there are the six schools within the academy. Um, so we have an entire one dedicated to management and leadership. And we actually have a brilliant course in there called um, Practical Guide to the First-Time Managers. It ran for the first time about a month ago and went down an absolute storm. In fact, I kind of want to take it myself because I've never, I, I manage quite a lot of people, but I've never had any formal training. I've kind of learned over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was brilliant. We have another course called Lead Coach Win, which is around the fa- fa- fundamentals and foundations of good coaching. And there is so much curriculum that we're going to be creating for not just first-time managers, but, you know, you know, managers that are managing managers and, you know, VP level, you know, uh, execs, C-level C execs and, and also CEOs. There's, there is a huge amount of curriculum there that we will be creating around supporting, um, you know, people in management positions. No question. Well, if I can put in a request is, yeah, is <laughs> what's neat is curriculum on understanding how people develop and get better. 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, there's science behind this. And again, yeah. in professional sports, we talked before, I'm a huge soccer fan. People that listen to the show know that I'm a huge soccer fan, a Liverpool fan. Um, <laughs> and you look at the specialized coaches that are on the staffs of all these professional mm-hmm. sports teams. Mm-hmm. It's, and, you know, these are dedicated to help both the individuals and the collective perform better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's leverage. And it's, em- and it's embarrassing that in business, we haven't adopted yeah. any of these practices. It's crazy. Because also in tech, it's a people business. Right. It's, it's literally, it's people. It's people. Like, and they are, they're your most expensive asset. And if you get them working really well, then the most incredible asset. Because they'll pre- perform and your business results being I- I- incredible. It's, um, there's a really interesting, we have actually a whole course with one of the, top sports coaches in Europe, a guy called Sir Clive Woodward. Um, he teaches a course with us called DNA of a champion. And he t- takes, he used to run, he used to be the, the head coach of the England rugby team. Mm-hmm. You know, he won a world, he won a world cup with them. He ran the Olympics team for three Olympics, got our best results ever in like about, well, about in, in about a hundred years at, at the London 20, 2012 Olympics. And he's bringing a lot of what he learned in elite sports into uh, the, the sort of business world. And he said in sports, um, you know, it's like sort of 99% practice, 1% performance. And in business, it's like 99% uh, performance and 1%, 1% practice. Mm-hmm. And he said, that is, that is something that's very wrong here. Those two worlds can't be that, that, this, that far apart. Um, and I thought it was kind of a really interesting way to, way to sort of think, think about it. But there are so many instances, Andy, where this, it, it, when you actually take a step back and think about it, it's kind of crazy. So I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example. Sure. And we're, and we're going to be building curriculum around this as well. So SDRs typically coming straight out of college, yep. straight into the business world, and they're expected within weeks to be having, you know, engaging conversations, sometimes with C-level people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, what? Um, you know, and this is something that's being requested a lot by our customers, and we have over 200 now, um, is just some basic ac- business acumen. Like, it's crazy to expect these 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 young people, smart young people, coming into the business world, knowing how the business world operates, knowing what the C-suite even is, mm-hmm. right? Agreed, knowing what 100%. a public company is, knowing what a private company is, knowing how companies are run and how they're structured and, and, and management structures and how many what what to how big teams are and how many people typically would report into a manager and all these things that we've picked up just over the years of being in business that we just forget that these these young people don't have any of that don't have any of that knowledge and so we're going to be starting to create curriculum just around pure business acumen and then you take it a step further most maturing sales teams they start to specialize right they start to verticalize mm-hmm. around automotive or you know finance finance or not for profits and the same thing happens. Like reps will go, right, you're, you're going to be looking after finance now. And it's like, well, I don't know anything about finance. <laughs> it's like, we'll just learn. And then what happens is you spend six months spinning your wheels, having getting shit results, because you have no idea about the finance industry. Right. You, you, you right. don't know the language, the problems. You can't have meaningful conversations with, with, with anyone in that industry. And, and the company itself that's trying to sell to that sector is burning through leads, burning through SQOs, <laughs> right. wondering what's going on. And, this, and the, for the patient companies that eventually, where the salesperson starts succeeding, 
great. It's finally working. Our vertical strategy is finally working. But most, they'll probably start firing people. And that is just like literally in every which way you look at that, it is madness. Well, now I want to add something to that because I, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, I think the tendency, and this is, this is information, this is knowledge absolutely needed, right? Especially, you said, young sellers coming in have no idea how business world operates. I mean, I know it took me, it took me a better part of a year, my first year to sort of understand that. And I only was able to learn quickly early in my career because I was selling to entrepreneurs, you know, small, right. mid sized business owners who were teaching me about business, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah. But absent that, yeah, it would have been a much longer learning curve on that. Yeah. So I think that's that's incredible. What what I'm interested in, though, from my perspective is, and this is, I think, is a an issue in sales is, and maybe it comes down to mindfulness or so on. But you know, I think a big part of we want to systematize everything. We want to make everybody, you know, tell everybody that okay these customers are all sort of alike, right? And you're going to have similar experiences talking to them. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, you know, then our sellers become too scripted and too rote. Because mm-hmm. to me, a, a biggest part of business acumen is not knowing how two similar customers are the same. It's how they're different. Right. And right. be able to spot the differences because those differences then become the opportunity. For right. The seller. <clears throat> right. Right. And so right. this exactly. idea of, you know, how do we, in, how do we help managers initially to mm-hmm. move away from this cookie cutter approach to sales, which is increasingly sort of happening and mm-hmm. saying, you know, situational awareness is really what, what we need to be able to train people and to get our sellers to be mindful about, because those are the opportunities. Absolutely. And if you if you have a product and it's solving a certain problem in an industry, some of those prospects will have solved that problem. And you've got to know who's got the problem solved and who hasn't. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but um, for sure. No, you make, you make an excellent point. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that for me, I think one of the, the values of you know, putting things in sort of the educational context as opposed to a training context. The training context, again, this assumption is that we're teaching you how things are and everything's sort of going to be this way. You know, in the situations you encounter, whereas education for me is, you know, why do you go to college? We learn, go to college to learn how to think. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this level of intentionality that's required to be consistently successful at this profession isn't being emphasized enough, at least in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And this, this is what we need to teach people is that, that, you know, selling is a very creative profession. It's not mm-hmm. an assembly line. You want to do an assembly line job that go, Work an assembly line. Yeah, it's creative. It's cons- it's it's cons- it's consultative. You're trying to understand like business pain, um, and that's that's a that's a consultation. Yeah, and so I think that, and I'm just wondering how you're sort of addressing this and what you're doing is is that in my mind, after you know all the years I've been in this, is that words matter, and the way mm-hmm. you the way you describe things matter, and and I think one of our challenges is how do we reset mindsets about what the job of selling is, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think your job as a seller is my job is to go out and persuade someone to buy my product, mm-hmm. then you take one set of actions. If you think mm-hmm. your job is to go out to listen, mm-hmm. understand what's most important to that buyer, and then help them get that, you take a mm-hmm. different set of actions. 
because your mindset is completely different. One path yeah. leads to the sort of traditional salesy, pushy, persuasion-based mm-hmm. selling that, mm-hmm. that buyers find so horrible. Mm-hmm. And the other leads to the consultative, hey, I'm really here to help you make a better decision, achieve better outcomes. Yeah. Well, it seems like this is fundamental and that we, we need to be able to somehow yeah. address this in the way we educate sellers. Is yeah. One is your job. The other is not your job. Yeah. I guess we're not explicit within the academy on that point. We're just, we, we just, the best practices that we teach is exactly that. It's consultative. It's listening to, to pain. It's also knowing that it's okay to say, you know, there's no fit here. I don't think I can help you. I don't want to waste your time mm-hmm. really any, any, any longer and move on. Um, that's great. That's a really great outcome for both the prospects and the seller. Like fantastic. Part of my overall mission is to, you know, help to continue to sort of legitimize sales as a as a as a noble profession. Yes, um, as as a profession, full stop. I, you know, I've I've met some of the smartest and kindest and most em- most empathetic people um, in the sales and go to market profession. It is a, it is a highly cerebral, highly complex. Um, profession um and um and i i love it but so so much of the perception of sales all over the all over the world is that it's it's not that <laughs> um that it is this more snake oil salesman approach and that's really really sad and i and i lay a lot of the blame for that at the feet of the global education system who ignored it and 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 i think that had played a huge role in this very negative perception of sales what Yes, I think that's that's part of it. But I I think that yeah, the the stereotypes of you know salespeople being pushy and sleazy and salesy and untrustworthy are unfair, but we we created those perceptions. I mean it's it's not like they're completely unwarranted. It's because you know, there's large segments of this this profession that thought and still continue to believe and, and train sellers and encourage sellers to act a certain way that, that buyers find distasteful. And that are, I, I lump those into a category called salesy behaviors. <laughs> and, you know, a buyer will never ask a seller to be more salesy, right? I mean, a buyer would never say, Hey, you know, Paul, I'd love your product. Love to sign up, but you know, you're just not salesy enough. Could you be more salesy? <laughs> Yeah, they're never going to say that, and yet so much of training doubles down, doubles down on that, and managers double down on that, yeah. especially when it gets to the end of a period and they think they need to close more deals, and they encourage sellers to act in a way that that a aren't effective, but b that buyers dislike. Yeah, and we can we can we can stop that, right? It doesn't have to. <laughs> we can just stop because these behaviors don't help. Yeah. There is absolutely an element to that, no question. Yeah. And so I think that I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm part of the, my new book that's coming out here shortly is uh, part of his, you know, his mission to say, look, we can, we can start solving this problem mm-hmm. because these behaviors that, that buyers don't like, that they identify with, that become part of the stereotype, they're of no value to us as sellers. Mm-hmm. So we can stop them. Yeah. And let's do that, right? Let's put, let's draw a line in the sand and just say, you know, from here forward, 
these things we're just not going to do anymore. Yeah. And if we have alternatives, such like Sales Impact Academy and other places where people can learn other approaches, then, yeah, we can start turning this around. Yeah. But we need to have the commitment of sales leaders to it as well because, you know, these behaviors that, that you know, our buyers don't like and that we get tarred with, the perception of, they're not innate human behaviors. They're, these are learned behaviors. Yeah. I, I totally agree. But I think, like I say, it, it, it really does all, for me, come back down to the fact that there's been no structured learning in this industry. So people just can't go into it not knowing. <laughs> and that's crazy. You know, you imagine what happens if you strip back all of the structured learning in the finance industry or the legal industry and just people just start doing law. <laughs> it, would just, it was just absurd to think that, mm. that, would, that that would ever happen. But that's what happens in sales and go, and go to market. So, of course, best you know, bad practices are going to evolve in that complete void um, uh, in in the profession. Well, I think that's that. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent agree. But I think there's also a combination of coming from management is that I think more than individual sellers. I don't think individual sellers, you know, come up with I said innately and intuitively come up with these these behaviors that are bad, I think it's encouraged by management, especially, I said, in, in times when they think they're not getting the performance they want, uh, the end of period, you know, we're not closing up deals. You know, you send your sellers out with the best of intentions to help buyers and create a trust-based relationship, and then last day of the month rolls around, it's like, hey, what can I do to get you to sign the deal today? Yeah, yeah. And you've just wasted them. The, <laughs> you know, your true colors show suddenly. Yeah. And then the customer's perception of you never changes from that point. Yeah. Oh yeah, you think you said partnership, but it's really transactional. I get it. <laughs> and so we bring these things on ourselves, but I think it it um, starts starts up the chain more than it does for the individual contributors. Yeah. Well, they need they need education too. <laughs> they do. Yeah. I'm glad you're. Uh, hopefully, that's something you'll address with them. So. Uh, well, Paul, well, thank you so much for joining me. It's fascinating to learn about uh, what you're doing. And if people want to learn more about Sales Impact Academy, where can they go? Um, they can go to our website, um, which is www.salesimpact.io. Perfect. All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much. Andy, thanks. It's been great. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Paul Fifield for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement, with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for doing that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.